Hello, and welcome to episode 2 of How Would You Run That? A Dungeons & Dragons podcast and ideas factory with me, Lucas Tomlinson. And me, Jake Canner. In this episode, we'll be discussing some aspect of Dungeons & Dragons. An encounter, location, trap, puzzle, NPC, PC, god, magic item, or really anything that can exist in the world of Dungeons & Dragons. And importantly, asking each other the question, how would you run that? This episode is on a roadside tavern. How would you run that? It was such a wild and interesting prompt. <laughs> so broad and so open and... I mean, I've taken it in a couple of ways in my head. I don't know about you. I thought about it really practically. Ooh. Like, I've, I've, I've planned things I'm going to ask you about the tavern to sort of, like, enrich it and make it more of a realistic place. Yeah. I'll say realistic. Realistic in the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Sure. Um, and I've got sort of, like, backup answers in case I ask you something completely unexpected. Okay, okay. But I am prepped. I am prepared. And I am ready. I hope you're the same. I'm always ready with a week to prep. Nice. <laughs> first things first, how are you doing? It's been a week since last we spoke. Yeah, but we'll just say before we start recording. Um, oh, heavy week. Lockdown fatigue is definitely setting in. Right, isn't this but, the week? Uh, like, Is it Blue Monday is this this week, last week? It's, it's now, isn't it? This time of year when everyone just gets a bit oh, of a post-Christmas drag and most people quit their jobs and statistically just crappy week. I didn't know that. It's either this week. It's it's around now. Well, hopefully we can brighten your Thursday evening, Lucas Tomlinson, with some D and D chatter and yes, whatever evening, morning, afternoon it is for any of our listeners. Yes, because we have listeners. We do. First podcast went up. We've, we there are, the, the analytics says there are people listening to this, which is which is great. That's <laughs> that's the bare minimum we need. Some listeners. I've really been looking forward to this. I'm really excited to get more thoughts down on audio and. Yeah, see see what we could do with the the next idea in, in in a tavern. Yeah, well, in that case, I guess without further ado, let's let's get into it. Cool. So go on, ask me again. It feels it feels good when you ask me the question. Okay, okay. Um, Jake, a roadside tavern. How would you run that? Right. Counter question. I've gone two different ways with this. Which one do you want to hear about? first we might even not get on to the second but i've gone basically i went two ways in my mind so we talked last time about the this is the roadside tavern and just to try and give it some setting it was on the same road that we talked about with our cheese peddler last week so between city x city y something of yeah. that order yeah item number one you've gone to the roadside tavern and they've they've pulled in for the night let's say this would be something i'd run in a session where the the travel was meant to take a long time like it's not meant to be over in a couple of hours and i wanted to give him something to do on the way so my party enters the tavern and in my mind i've planned that this place has an illegal fight den for monsters of the world classic. yeah classic because the way i see that is that it gives me an opportunity to bring in an interesting monster that has no business being in the civilized world or two or three or whatever and mm -hmm. there are some options for the players to either do a little bit of digging and figure out what's going on. Maybe even get involved if they're into that. There's some sort of RP gambling options. There's certainly some combat options. And then there's some morality choices as to whether they let this continue or whether they try and shut it down or get the guards to shut it down or 
or whether they fund it and provide security or go on bounties to recruit more monsters or anything. So I think that there's a lot of ways it can go, which means I've sort of prepped the first end of it and then left the back end fast and loose. Okay, so so it's a regular tavern, but in the basement, I'm assuming, or yeah. out the back, yeah. There's 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 this fighting ring, and they've got wild animals locked up, ready to take on brave or foolish, foolhardy adventurers. Basically, exactly that. Yeah. Okay, so riddle me this, Jake. Yars. As the party approaches the tavern, is it visibly from the outside going to be something special, or is it only revealed once they enter? Or not even then. Well, okay, so the way I have thought about this, I suppose, is that they are being tempted with the tavern because it's nighttime. And, you know, mm. it might be the start of the session, or maybe at the, the end of the last session, and you happen across a tavern. Anyway, the, the implication is that they are going to spend the night there. So, fine. They enter the tavern, and for all intents and purposes, it's a regular ish tavern. There will be, I'd sort of describe the interior. Um, I would put a bit of effort into a couple of characters. So there might be, well, the barkeep, whoever runs the place, um, mm-hmm. certainly gets gets a mention, gets some description. Um, I would explain the sounds that they hear from within the tavern, try and set the scene a bit, any smells. I like to try and do a couple of different senses to, to put people in a place. Um, Very good. I might even go as far as to describe a couple of just interesting standout characters sitting at tables around the place to try and fill it with some some life okay because this is sort of alludes to a few questions i had about uh considerations for the tavern okay but um i i think it's interesting so you've, you've skipped straight from from being outside the tavern to being inside describe the interior so the exterior yeah. is just inconsequential everyone knows what a tavern looks like nowadays you're not going to describe the thatched roof and expose uh wooden or the stone masonry or anything I think I tend to do something like that when either I think it's going to matter or whether I think they need to remember it. So in a city, um, especially a big one, I might use some exterior descriptions to set a scene for a tavern that's in a particular kind of area or to try and make it stick in the memory so that they remember, oh, I want to go to that tavern that had the... Um, you know the the phallic pun for its name or I want to go to the tavern that had the, the gold curtains or something like that. Um, yeah. For this session, sure, I mean, I would have something. If anyone asked me, what does the outside look like? What do I see? I would probably off the cuff or I'd probably write a couple of notes to give it some basic external appearance. But I don't think it'd be anything particularly special, especially as the fact that this is uh, maybe a legal activity going on the bottom. It's not the kind of place you want to draw unnecessary attention. It's more of an invitation-only okay. scenario. So, yeah, inside I'd certainly give it an explanation because they've gone in, they're going to spend the night. You've walked in, like... Because they're already going, I don't feel the need to sell it. I think you're missing a trick there. Yeah. Because, and this, this you know, maybe, maybe it's something I do that, just to amuse myself. But mm. I love a good, unexpected tavern name. Yeah. And I like having a board outside that depicts some sort of image, like something, something visual about that, that reflects the name. And the one that I'm, I'm most happy with um, was, was the very first tavern I ran in my first session with my first group for my own yeah. it was called the roasting boar inn okay but oh god the, so i described <laughs> i described the roasting boar inn and the way they knew it's because the the tap the, the sign hanging outside yeah it was a of a of a giant hog arching up on its back legs breathing fire over a group of knights who were attacking it oh cool you see i thought you were gonna yeah. go like rude with that 
No, no, no. It doesn't have to be rude. Just, just, just unexpected. You say the roasting boar in, and everyone yes. gets a picture in the mind of you know what you're going to eat when you get inside. But really, no. It's some monstrous pig on the board, and you oh, know I the like party that. were never bothered about it, and they didn't inquire. But I always thought in the back of my mind, like I can pull that out as a little mm-hmm. you know side quest. Should they be interested? The legend of this beast in the area. That's very cool. Yeah. No, I've only ever gone with puns for mine. Mm. So I think in what in our latest campaign, there's only been a a couple of named taverns and inns. There's always been the one everyone stays at, but the only one that I put any sort of thought into was the Morning Wood. Yeah, classic. Yeah, straight in there yeah. with a with a dick yeah. pun. You know what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> a stiff drink in the Morning Wood. But anyway, so this this tavern, not really bothered, straight in. What does it look like? Is, is this a, a fancy establishment? Is it, you know, a bit poorer? Because when I was researching, one thing that I sort of wasn't sure about because mm. it came up with every different thing I was looking at. So whether it be the food, the patrons, the uh, accommodation. Okay. The level of quality of the establishment is going to impact all those decisions later on. So what are you thinking? What am I thinking? I was intending for it to be almost as generic as possible on the inside. Would you describe the inside of the tavern as modest or comfortable? Oh, I see. Right, you're going down that level. Um, I've I've literally got the list in front of me of how much it's going to cost to stay there. <laughs> um, I would describe it as modest for modest. purposes of pricing, but I think I would still like try and put a bit more flavour into it. So, for example, this is what I'd say about the main room when they walk in. The main room of the tavern is quite pleasant, certainly by your standards. Pushing your way through the patrons, you feel the warmth of a large open fire to the side. The comforting scent of wood smoke and heady ale let you know this will be a good place to relax. There are many tables and booths to sit at, but the rest of the decor is really rather plain. Odd for an inn on the side of the road. Well, plain that is, save for a heavy looking purple curtain covering a doorway to the far end of the bar. Behind the counter, you see a pair of adult half-elves, lithe and full of life. Striking up conversation with one of them, they introduce themselves as Varys Ash, the acting manager of the bar. There's a sudden crash of glass as some idiot on a stag do knocks over the drink, spilling it entirely into your lap. Okay, right, so we're, we're not doing the stag do. The stag do, it can be going on, but the party's not really bothered. But they have seen this bouncer with the fancy curtain of undescribable colour or quality or something. Yeah, it's going to be a colour that stands out. It'll be purple, it'll have decoration, it might have gold weave through it, you know. Ooh, sounds royal. Yeah, yeah, very much kind of like VIP curtain. Okay. And, you know, I'd even try and see that a little further. I think if it, um, anyone was investigating the area and they, they spot the curtain, like, oh, what, what's going on here? I'd give them even more flavour, say, okay, well, you usually look around, you've got the main bar person doing the business, but there's someone else working the bar, but they don't appear to be serving any drinks. And if they were to go and look at that, this person's taking bets. You know, there's mm-hmm. some sort of relay to downstairs and there's, there's some other semi-official activity that is you know, going on behind the bar that isn't the bar. And I'm just trying to get this, um, this atmosphere of, you know, there's something happening here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the players catch on, and then they ask either the bouncer or this person that's working the bar that isn't taking orders. Yep. And is it freely offered up to them? You know, oh, you guys are carrying weapons around. Well, this is for you. Or is it <laughs> sort of hush hush? No, you have to work a bit harder if you want to get down there. 
what I'd like to do is I would like the the bartender or the 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 bookie to be savvy in this moment and so if a an obviously good character walks up um then they might have to do a little coercion to get the information out if you've got someone like your your, your classic rogue or someone who is happy to converse with a bit of devilment in their voice and just just come across a little bit either like neutral alignment evil alignment or someone that sounds a little bit seedy then they'll get the information basically for free Okay, so the warlock that's got like a dark cloud hovering over them as they walk over would get the information freely because they look a bit sus. Yeah, and especially if they've already like in in prior sessions or through the rest of the campaign walked that particular path. I think I wouldn't even bother hiding it and say, "You, my friend, you get the information." Um, but what I would do in the case of anyone that is a you know, looks very innocent or has always been traditionally extremely good and very lawful. A paladin or a cleric. Yeah. Someone's got some big obvious holy symbol on them. Exactly. Or maybe even someone that's playing uh, a younger character, someone that's a bit more childish, a bit more innocent. Um, as long as they had sufficiently high wisdom, you know, a reasonable passive perception, I'd let them have the opportunity or let them roll insight to see that they're being um, sort of sussed out, being checked out by the bar person. Um, I wouldn't want to prevent any access to the activity just because they happen to look innocent. I, I hate when there's only one route in to uh, to an activity. You absolutely cannot block that with a check and just not let them progress, you know? Okay, so when you say he's checking them out, he's sizing them up more to see whether they have money to gamble or whether they're, you know, going to be good with that sword on the belt, if, you know, to take something on. Whether they're going to be up for it. So the way I planned this was less of a... Um, a adventurer versus monster, but maybe more of like a monster versus monster. No, I'm thinking oh, like, like okay. dogfight sort of thing. Them. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's inherently illicit, at least in in my setting. It would be like this is not the sort of thing that you just put on posters and say come to the attraction. It's more of a, like a a betting, slightly unpleasant scenario. So that's why, yeah, you've got to be of that style for that information to come freely and say, oh, this is this is going to be your kind of thing. Sure. And this this is something that they can get away with a bit easily because it is outside of town as well. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. So it's off the beaten track. Yes. Okay, so you're not going to find a, a patrol of guards sitting in the corner of the tavern unless they're, you know, similar to the to the party you're describing, a bit a, a bit dodgy guards. Exactly, yeah. If they're a bit bit roguish, then sure, they might be there, they might blow up some steam or whatever. It's outside the city's jurisdiction. They don't give a shit. They don't really ah. they don't really care. I'm off duty. I don't give a fuck. I'm into this, whatever, yeah. So, Gotcha. Introducing a little bit of moral quandary so it's less obvious that I'm just going to go in and do the activity. There's just that moment of like, a uh, little bit of pause on the part of the player, let them have a, a little think. Okay. Just just to satisfy my own curiosity then about this of idea. Of course. How, how does it work practically? What's the hierarchy? Is there a guy who owns the establishment who runs all this? Is this a side hustle, someone working there, like the bookie maybe? Um, who who's in charge? For me, if especially if I was being caught off guard in that moment, it would be the barman. So landlord of this place is owner, mm-hmm. and when I, I call them the barman, but I actually mean they are sort of traditional pub landlord, but is the person behind the bar doing the serving. So it's their place, their establishment. Yeah. They are fully aware of what's going on downstairs. They either run it or they take a cut for hosting it. Turn a blind eye. Exactly. There'll be other people running it because there are dangerous monsters down there and this bar person, this landlord, wants to 
live, continue trading, you know, do all these things, but they're more than happy to host. Okay. So it's their That's gig. Fine. They know all about it. They they know the kind of people that come in and out. They've got their regulars. They they know what's up. Okay. So the guys go downstairs and there's some level of organization or is it just a real mess? Depends at what point in the evening they go down the stairs. So Ah, okay. Because I'm, I'm considering cool. the option up until the point where they have to make their own... Sorry, where, where they have to react. They are in the position of decision maker. So it might just be that the party doesn't care. You know, you've, you've mm-hmm. gone to all this effort of describing the, the, the curtain and the bouncers and you've sort of sown all this interest and they still go, I want to go to bed. Because maybe in the previous session they had a big old beastie fight and they want the long rest because parties always want that long rest to make sure they're always at 100%. But what I'd do with, with this, yeah, because I haven't forced them down there and they're not in the middle of it, I'm definitely keeping the idea in the back of my head that they may not want to go and do the thing. So mm-hmm. if that were the case, I would make it so an event occurs in the night that makes it too difficult to sleep, it's too loud, some ruckus breaks out and they either have to investigate or face the consequences of this ruckus. But that, mm-hmm. that's very much the I'm kicking you down the stairs route. Let's assume for now that they have taken the bait. I like this though, because this is sort of, um, you know, you've planned out a series of time of things going to happen. Like yeah. almost, almost like a, ahead of time planning a heist or something, you know? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's different uh, points in the story where their intervention is going to change the course of things. Very much so. In that case, join the turn on its head. I'll tell you what the, the, the scenario is, and depending on when the PCs enter, we'll determine how it plays out. Okay, so, so we've got sort of the timescale from when they enter to the point where it becomes too much, they have to investigate. Yeah. Disregard the party, what's happening on behind the scenes exactly. in your mind. Totally makes sense. Right, well, that's how I've written it out. So what's happening is downstairs there uh, is a, uh, a bunch of boozy... Ne'er-do-wells, I suppose, people that are just getting whipped up in the event. And the event is uh, Monster Fighting Monster. Right, gotcha. Okay, so it's a bit ridiculous and a bit bit nasty, really. Exactly, yeah. I don't want it to come across as... Well, I don't know. I don't want to say I don't want it to come across as pleasant, but what I'm getting at is that it's... Um... It's not glorified. It is a bit seedy and questionable. Yes, moral, yeah. And, yeah, but that, that's where my head's gone for this one. So that's all going okay. on. And under normal circumstances, it's under control. There'll be a few people um, whose job it is to to run the show, to to maintain a degree of order, to keep the monsters at bay, and maybe they'll have magical means of doing that, or maybe they will have some some items. And I don't want to go too dark. I'm not saying like ring the Pavlovian bell that makes them scared of pain. I'm not going to go that sure. far, but just so, some sort of semblance of they're they're keeping things going down here and everyone else are patrons they are non-combatants question when yeah. you say people like people in the tavern people downstairs etc what races are you imagining or are you not is it just generic humans everywhere i always try and make it a mix i don't even like generic human i just go with generic bodies most of the time i'll plan a, a race for an npc mostly just for my own interest more than anything else i like mm. it diverse because it's fantasy and there are fancy races, and also everything okay. diverse I just enjoy. I think it's good. It gives me an opportunity to try different voices that I can't do after my that's, Austrian that's Frenchman last week. Yeah. <laughs> because that's, that's the opposite of what I was thinking, because I feel like when you don't mention, like, you know, oh, it's mostly elves, but there are a few half-elves and humans or whatever. Yeah. If you don't say what it is, I always think it's just default human. Yes. 
But you're good. You take it the other way, where we're not describing it is because it's so multicultural. Yeah, and I think when I do a city description or sort of areas of a city, I intentionally try and drop it in to begin with, and then I don't like to make a deal about it. Mostly because it's a lot of extra brain power to think of all the races walking around and doing the things. But yeah, whenever I'm imagining a a bustling area, unless I have specifically decided otherwise. It's generally fairly multicultural, yeah, especially like a, a city, somewhere where you'd expect a bit of more diversity. Maybe in a in a village or something a bit more remote, it might be a little less diverse. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you've got people running running this uh, this fighting arena. You've got people <laughs> people <laughs> sat around, and yeah. So we're going through in order what was happening from the point the party arrives. If they were to burst straight down, what would they see? Yeah. And then different points through the night. Sure. What would be going on? So maybe I'll, I'll bring that one in. If they were to go downstairs at that point, that is what they'd see. They'd see, I'd probably describe one fight going on or maybe like the back end of it. I think I'd put a bit of effort into describing the stairwell as they go downstairs. In particular, I want my curtain to be interesting. So um, when they they pull back the curtain, they head down the stairs, they'll be greeted again with a smell, with some some sights, but you know, just going down into a store cupboard. And then when the curtain closes behind them, all the sound of the tavern is completely blocked. So it's like, ooh, oh, cool. interesting curtain. Keep, keeps the noises at bay, and that, that would be a, a tidbit that either does or doesn't play into the, the, the rest of the, the of the evening. Yeah, well, from what you said later, uh, sorry, earlier, if they don't go down, later the noises reach mm-hmm. them. That's a big tell, then, that something's going on. Exactly, yeah, because up until That's this cool. point, you didn't hear anything, and if you had gone down the stairs and then come back upstairs because you were scared, you knew that the curtain blocks all the sound, so if you are now hearing the sound, someone's gone down. Yes, Okay, cool. Um, okay, so that is what would happen up until that point. The The event that I would like to transpire, whether the party are there or not, is uh, it goes wrong, basically. So yes. some monster has broken free of its shackles. Maybe it's one that's fighting at the time. Maybe it's one that's got some intelligence and they didn't, you know, the, uh, the, the fight ring people didn't know this in advance and maybe it's like organized something. So Or something disguised as something else. Or they've, or, that would be ooh, cool. That or they've cool. just misidentified a monster or something else. Like they've seen some sort oh, of slime goodness. and thought it's like a small gelatinous cube, and yeah. really it's a black pudding. But you know, <laughs> it's been out in the sun too long. Or what if they've they've they found something that looks like a, a regular old animal, but it's actually a fae, and so it's ooh. it's smart and it's got magic and it's yeah. got you know some real fuck shit up capabilities. Yeah, like I just want to cause havoc here now that you've captured me in this horrible place where you're forcing monsters to fight and so the fate just fucks shit up. Yeah, so okay. I yeah, brilliant. I'm going to scribble out that note. That's a much better idea. <laughs> Does, I hadn't <laughs> even planned is. as to what the, the monster or what the, the the potential combat would be purely because I, you'd have to tailor that to party level and interest yeah. as well. So I've kept that one in the back. Have you thought all about what kinds of monsters they would be? Would it be sort of... Lo- I mean, you can you can go through different levels for different things, but, like, would yeah. it be local wildlife, or would it be more exotic, or is that group particularly skilled in capturing something because they found some weakness? You know, like, what what what, what are you... What's in your, what are you imagining? I mean, we've mentioned slimes a couple of times, but what yeah. things are they uh, bringing to the party? Without naming specific monsters, I was thinking more exotic. Purely because right. I think it's a good opportunity to have your party fight something exotic. Because if it depends how you know 
realistic in air quotes depends how mm -hmm. uh true to the region you're trying to be but if they're going be between a city and another city on a road then it's a fairly civilized place your wildlife is going to be fairly tame that's not quite Fantasy the word but standard know, yeah and nothing particularly exciting and then if something exciting does come along it's like oh, shit, this is an event we have to deal with this mm -hmm. so i think i would take the opportunity to say yeah they, they've gone beyond their means they've they've gone outside of their um capabilities in capturing this creature whatever it is and they've brought mm -hmm. it back and they've completely underestimated its power or its capability and so it has broken loose or caused problems and if the party's down there already that would be the point where it's a, a reactionary combat moment because they, they, they might be watching they might have just come downstairs at this point but all of a sudden there is now an angry animal attacking stuff and it will it's aggressive it's been trapped so it will go for anyone it can the patrons, mm -hmm. I'd have them scatter. And the people who are supposed to keep things under control, I probably wouldn't have them involved in the combat necessarily either. I'd have them maybe the flavoured or the introduction to the combat being that they've been defeated somehow or rendered yeah. incapacitated one way or another, and then all of a sudden it's party versus interesting creature. Yeah, I think that's that's easy enough to do. I mean, if yeah. when they burst in, they hear the, sh the screams, the shouting, and they see you know, animal, whatever it is. Yeah. Swinging left or right with a body in its mouth or something. Exactly. And then that would be the same thing that happens if they had decided to just go to bed. Okay, so does it actually it doesn't matter. So it's it's not the, the intricate heist with different inception moments. It's the, whenever you go down, this is going to happen. And if you don't go down, it's going to happen and come to you instead. Well, not necessarily. If they go down earlier, I won't have the fight break out just because they've turned up. I'll just have that at, at a point in time, if you're with me. Oh, sorry, I misunderstood then. I thought you said that regardless of when they go down, that's the scene that they encounter. Oh, I see. Sorry, I must have mis misspoke. But what I mean okay. then is that, yeah, they, they could go down early and they could place some bets. They could inspect the cages. They might decide to try and sneak away and see what other animals are being held captive. I'd have a couple of things sort of planned just in case that was ever going to be explored. They might be less exotic creatures or less mm -hmm. dangerous exotic creatures. But I'd have a, just a couple in the back of my mind. Um, but yeah, I guess definitely give them the opportunity to experience the, you know, like like the support act basically before the main event turns up and it all goes wrong. Okay, okay, I, I like this and I like I, I get it. Like you know, you don't want to plan too much detail because it could be a party of any level, say. But what could be some interesting monsters to put in here? And I mean, the Fae was a good one, but what would be good monsters that where it could potentially go wrong? Because I just had an idea while while we were talking. Shoot. Imagine, imagine it, and talk, bring it back to exotic races again. Yeah. Imagine a lizard man NPC that hasn't got any sort of equipment on them mm -hmm. and is on all fours. They look like a giant iguana. <laughs> and they're doing this to play dumb until they seize on a moment where, I don't know, a guard comes too close to the cage and they can grab them or something. And then they sort of burst out. Right. Is, you know, like, I'm thinking, like, what, what kinds of things could we have? Because that'd be one example, you know, the, the, the fae that's in the form of an animal mm. that then just, like, dissipates through the bars and, like, starts unhooking cages is another yeah. one. Like, what else could we get in there that they maybe misinterpret or, or just really underestimate? Sure. One thing that I'd definitely be keeping in mind for any selection of this matter would be making it appropriate to, especially if it's a single foe, to fight a party of four, five, six. So I'd be looking at something that I could give 
either legendary actions or some way of balancing the, the action economy because as soon as you have you know six versus one unless that thing happens to be a complete sack of hit points mm-hmm. it's not going to last two rounds before it can actually do anything sure i mean you could have you could have those like in the fey example that she's opening the other cages and then yes. you know the monsters don't just necessarily attack the the humanoids in the room they attack each other and stuff you know and then you mm-hmm. could like have you know if if they're fighting something and you know there's a fight going on in the background um at any point you could have one of those beasts slay the other and join you know and turn and come for the party yeah no i like that idea a lot just when as soon as you said opening the cages like yes i <laughs> see where you're going because then you've got like last week we got the um the idea of minions you've just got more things to have in the initiative order I mean, uh, the Lisbon example worked for that as well. Imagine that they yeah. they sort of like yeah. grab the guard, grab the keys, you know, take his weapon, climb on top of the cages or wherever the cages are, and start unlatching them to cause a distraction so it can try and break out because mm. they got no idea where the fuck they are. <laughs> you know, lizard brain kicks in. It's like distraction. Get the fuck out of here because I'm like a, an intelligent creature. I've got at least eight intelligence. Yeah, you could have something that looks like one thing, but is actually many. And you get the same sort of approach. Ooh. I'm thinking, and I'm back on the slimes, but like a gelatinous cube could actually be nine gelatinous cubes forming a, a hypercube or something, and then they all just sort of splurge out into each other. Well, I guess you wouldn't keep a slime in a cage, though. You'd have to keep it in some sort of like a bucket. I don't know. Bucket. <laughs> <laughs> bucket. <laughs> There's a bucket of slimes. Um, I was thinking like a, like a big glass vial or something, but mm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, this has been going on so long. Whatever they're keeping the monsters in all the cubes it's, it's just worn it's just like weathered that much like even an owl bear you know if it's a bit of a rusty cage could probably bustle through if it's a particularly big one yeah. maybe that's it maybe they're like the dwarves are dug too deep you know they've been trying to up their game too much with bigger <laughs> monsters that they've just like overreached a bit with what they've got now yeah a lot of potential though because I, I, I like that what else is happening in this fighting pit then jake it depends on what time you go downstairs, but really that that's going to be the focus because you know how long combats take, and especially if it's going to be worth doing, that for me is going to be, I'd say maybe about a third, a quarter to a third of the session. So I'd mm-hmm. say that maybe the first bit is getting in, getting established, getting them hooked on going downstairs at some point, or going to bed and then being drawn downstairs at some point. I'm very much working on the assumption this combat is going to happen. If it doesn't happen, it derails, fine, we'll, we'll ad-lib, we'll figure it out. But if it does, it's going to be worth the time. It's not a case of everyone just draw the swords, give it a poke, and then go back to bed. <laughs> well, I would say even if even if they even if they completely ignore it, don't leave their room, sleep through the night. In the morning, they find that you know the staff are cleaning up the mess, and you know ask ask if they heard anything. Ooh. Maybe send them out to get revenge on the creature. See if they can find it. It can't have gone far. Well, that's interesting. The way you say um, cleaning up the mess, because you've got two different ways to go with that as well. You've either got the complete denial of the events of the night before, or almost as if it's just like so regular that the place gets completely trashed that they just come in and get on with cleaning it up as normal. Or maybe mm. they are genuinely upset that things have finally gone wrong. You could you could even play it that they're, they're scared at that as this creature has escaped, their secret might be out now. They need someone mm. to go and sort this out and keep it hush-hush before this monster goes and causes havoc elsewhere and then, you know, there's an investigation, it comes back to them and then guy's in trouble. That's a very nice way to recover it. If, As you say, if they don't go and do the fight that night, that's a pretty good... Because they would need a 
pretty strong reason. Can you imagine you, you come downstairs in the morning as an adventurer and you say, oh, what the bloody hell happened down here? And the guy's like, well, this super powerful monster kicked off downstairs and escaped, and I really, really want you to go and kill it for me. And I'll be like, no. Sounds like a whole lot of your problem. <laughs> well, okay, so I could, I'm trying to, trying to think of ways to claw it back, claw it back. Yeah. If they had any interaction with anyone in the bar the night before, you know, if there's any NPC that they thought, oh, I like this character, they're interesting, that's the victim. That's the corpse they see in the in the morning in the middle of the bar, you know, as they're pulling a sheet over their face. Oh yeah. You could guilt trip the party into doing what you want. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Bring in a, a grieving partner or child or something really stupid. He was it. one day from retirement from the <laughs> fantasy fighting ring. <laughs> but no, okay, so so regardless, the fight's gonna happen at some point. It's going to happen downstairs, it's going to happen in the middle of the night, or we're going to send them out to hunt down this monster in the daytime. Yes. Either way, I think they all circle back to at least the thing I had planned, which mm-hmm. is a question of morality for the players. So, okay, let's assume that they've they've handled the monster one way or another. They return to the, the tavern one way or another, either from downstairs or from their um, extracurricular activities dealing with it in the wilds. Either way, they're going to come back and either try and claim the reward or something. So what I'm going to assume then is that they will have an opinion as to whether this was a good thing or a bad thing to exist in the world. Mm -hmm. Depending on which way they go with that, that's where I've certainly kept my notes very light because you can't overly plan for it. They could um, search the rest of the place. Let's assume that everyone else has died downstairs because they they did it the night before. This is where I'm at in, in the first instance. So everyone else has either run away or dead. There might be other monsters, so they might want to search for other creatures and release them. Um, they might want to confront the the ringleaders. Now, the people downstairs that are keeping things going are um, temporarily killed to death. So the, <laughs> <laughs> their options are probably just the uh, the landlord, but they could confront them. Um, yeah, what you're doing, this is literal bullshit. They could turn them in. They could, you know, when they get to the next city, tell the guard, look, there's some untoward activities going on at this place. They might mm. want to fight them. They might want to say, you know, I challenge you to a duel. Stop being a, you know, a dick. Yeah. So that that's all my ideas for, at least the ways I think you might take it if you were good, you know, if you were yeah. righteous, moral, whatever. You, it's, a, it's a game where you know you collect good points or bad points, like uh, fall you know, like <laughs> Your your choices afterwards are determined by the path you've chosen to get there so far. Yeah, it depends what um, end credits scene you get. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you save the baby owl bear in the fight scene in the pit? Yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> Did you collect that tiny inconsequential rock at the start? Oh fuck! Yeah. I did, but I gave it away. Two fingers up at the end of the credits. Damn it. Uh, but, so yeah, that's, that, that's them if they're being good. They aren't necessarily mm-hmm. going to be good. So no. maybe they're into it. So maybe they could be persuaded to go off and capture another rare beast to replace the one that all, that went wrong. So you could send them on a, a, a quest exterior of tavern and away from city. It's a complete mm-hmm. distraction. But, you know, go north and find this... Um, I've heard that there's a, a baby dragon hatchling that's about to hatch. So go get it <laughs> <laughs> and bring it back here so we can like grow a little dragon. And you know. I mean, that's a great idea. Why the fuck not? 
Exactly. Or they might be convinced to provide security for the next one. Maybe you think you don't want to distract them from the, the main story beats too much by sending them off on a three-month quest to the you know, the, the mountains up yonder. But what you can do is you can keep them here for another night and another creature turns up in a shipment and you could just have them providing security instead. So maybe they yeah. would be running the night or cajoling people or eh, it's a different kind of encounter. Mm-hmm. Cool. But in particular, yeah, I haven't written too many notes because unless you're writing a novel, you don't really get to choose what happens at that point. Mm-hmm. Now I figure that the path of, of good, the path of moral morality is most likely and because your party have already had a good fight and you're at an inn it's unlikely that another challenging fight makes sense so i wouldn't expect them to attack the the bar person i wouldn't expect them to want to immediately go out and hunt down another animal or another monster that same adventuring day Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's up to them okay it's it's nice and open-ended you can basically you can put any sort of real quest now you can do a fetch quest you know like we've secured monster x in town y can you go and pick it up for us yes okay yeah that's good so again it's another kickoff point for more adventure yeah it's fairly open-ended and it's it's not too prescribed so i think you've, you've given them the setup and you've given them something to do with that setup and thereafter it's on them you know write the ending for me cool okay so that's that's the if you think of this tavern as a, as a story element for a session and, and what's going to go on that's the that's the big takeaway from the tavern itself. That's the yes. that's the meat and potatoes, right? Exactly. That is the tavern where the fight ring is. Cool. Let's then, from my sort of very practical checklist of what's going on in this tavern, let's yeah. flesh it out and make it a thing. Because I've got notes on some dice games, like the patrons, things like okay, um, yeah. activities in said bar. Because I, I find with, with, with taverns for me, when my party go in, they want to have a beer, they want to talk to people and they want to like do something there you know yeah. so i've done things like like darts or axe throwing you know which is oh, yeah, pretty yeah, simple yeah. like roll to attack against the local guy and see who gets the highest scores whatever all right sick well in that case l- let me ask you lucas um a, a roadside tavern how would you run that well jake uh i've been thinking about my tavern in terms of things like furnishings uh the staff etc okay well my first question for you does it have a name we could have the owl. You could call it something simple like the. I mean, we talked about owl bears. The owl yeah. bear, but bear spelled like naked. Bear. Yes, bear spelled like have, bear. You could, you, like yeah, B A R E, and you could have the sign outside being a a classic owl bear, but plucked like a chicken. Yes. Yeah. Like so it. So yeah, but instead of instead of like the little wings on top, it's got like big bear arms with nothing on them. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it's the owl bear. Okay, cool. So we said it's going to be uh, comfortable. So yeah. if we're thinking about the sort of foods we get there, mm, okay, because because I, I like a little, just a little bit of flavour, you know. Mm. Um, if they want to eat or drink, like what what's on offer? And so like I looked a bit online about things like you know uh, meads and ales and ciders and stuff, and like I I thought you know why why not give it a little name just to I don't know flavour it up for the for the for the party. So okay, if it was a mead. You could call it the Meduz Mead, which sounds a bit dwarvish, but it's a proto-Germanic word for mead, apparently. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Rubbish. And then also, <laughs> for the for the ale, we're going to call it Groot, spelt like fruit, but with a G. Okay. Uh, which is Why? a bittering agent used before hops were uh, were more commonly used. 
uh, and it's a mix of herbs and spices. Oh, right. So like early ale would have had that groot in it. Yes, groot, G- like, like fruit. Uh, in terms of wines, if there's any wine drinkers, you could have any sort of fruit wines. I was thinking a plum wine might be nice because mm-hmm. that's a bit less common, but also plums are common enough that it's not too exotic. Yeah, it's the sort of thing that would be made, isn't it? If you're if you're sticking sort of whenever I think of you know D and D fantasy, it's always Western medieval, mm. European medieval sort of setting. So I'm thinking you know Bavaria and yeah, old Prague and all that sort of stuff. So what sort of stuff do they make in the fields out there? And yeah, like a pear <laughs> cider or regular cider or just loads of cider. You know, yeah. like giving them giving them <laughs> options for drinks. I think makes it a little bit interesting. Mm. Do you find then that your players will like look at a menu and order drinks, or do you think that they just uh, then do you reckon that they get something out of the role play of having the option, or do you think they just kind of pay lip service to the fact that uh, there's something to eat and drinks, so or choose something? I feel a little bit like that, but then I also feel like it's one of those questions about neither of us thought, have thought of the answer. It's like you go into a bar and you order something, right? You know what you're going to ask for, you see something, right? So if I've not described what they can see. They go to the bar and say, hey, barkeep, can I have a drink? I don't know what to say. So I say, sure, what would you like? And then they say, I don't know, what have you got? <laughs> so yeah. I've planned a little bit what they can have. And it's like, you know, rather than just saying ale, like you can have an ale. It's like you've got ales, you've got wines, you've got meads, you've got ciders. Those are genuine options that aren't too ridiculous to have. Yeah. Because like we don't want fancy cocktails, you know, like that's, that's <laughs> I just can't see it. Unless you're in some real mystical artificer world. I might do that if I had a really upmarket bit of a city. You might have some like a cocktail bar and I would go to town for my own interest on if if you know, you've gone to the cocktail bar, I would think of some cocktail names and some ingredients. But I like what you've done here, especially if this is like your roadside tavern. The fact that they would have passing traders means that they might have a slightly more exotic supply not even exotic, but slightly more varied supply of drinks mm. than just some, you know, workhouse boozer in the middle of a, a working city. Yeah, where they just serve Madoz and nothing else. <laughs> How's the Madoz here? Mm, it's alright. You should try the Madoz across the street. <laughs> so I thought about drinks, I thought about food, and by think about food, I just wrote down a list of foods that can exist ever. So, generic stew. It's brown. There's some sort of meat in it. You know, an intelligence check isn't going to tell you what kind. Especially because that meat's come from the fighting arena the night Ooh. before. Ah, so it's like a potluck of scrapings from downstairs. Or do, yeah, they, or do you reckon yeah, they actually yeah, yeah. probably butcher what's left over? It's like, this is literally goulash. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it melting my face? Oh, there's too much gelatinous cube in that. <laughs> if you imagine, like, just rows and rows of marmalade, like, on shelves, and then, you, know, you open it, it's not marmalade. <laughs> Those aren't orange rinds. Oh, that's grim. I do like that as a... As a t- especially if we're trying to tie our two taverns together in, in this particular episode. Well, that leads me into the next point. Gambling. Mm-hmm. Because obviously you can, you've got the gambling on the monsters, which yep. I'm interested to hear if you've got any sort of mechanic for, or if it's literally odds, put money on. Would, would you actually play out the fight between the two monsters? Or would you just describe the combat? I would describe the combat. I would have predetermined the combat so that I didn't have to worry about stat blocks and checking mm. attack rolls and so on and so forth. So it would actually be a little bit more 
punchy, you know, quick and yes. thematic. So yeah, I would describe it and it would be over in a minute's worth of description. There might be like three or four blows exchange and that would be it. And it would be like uproar at the end because everyone's cheering and tearing up tickets and and more yeah. about setting the scene. The actual combat that matters is the one where the PCs have the ability to affect it. And so of course we'd play that one out as proper combat. Okay. Would you have a part like you, we talked about this this main creature that escapes mm. or like causes the escapes or whatever, like the, the party has to fight. Yeah. Would you have them be in that initial fight so you could give something away about their abilities or weaknesses or something? That would be quite a nice thing to do if you intend to bring that same monster back. So the way that I plan this one out would be more of a a surprise gone wrong it's like a now for the main event this ah. exotic thing that everyone's like oh, what is this and of course they're gonna like stack their bets on it and the the house are expecting it to take a dive or be hamstrung mm. in some way so that the house makes a lot of money off the fact this big old powerful thing has just been completely you know david and goliath by something that should have stood no chance against it but actually it goes tits up and instead the, the, the powerful thing has just been faking yeah. all along or comes through one way or another. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, I, I'm not certainly not against the Telegraph, especially when if you think you want to test out your party on something that is probably going to cream them and you want to give them some advantage. Yeah, if they're not, if it's not the sort of thing where they're able to do some research beforehand, like if you know you're going to go on a, on a bounty and it's like, I want you to find this thing, then mm. your party might go to a library or ask a ranger or try and get some info get the get the lowdown but if that isn't an option then yeah that's a really wonderful way to to showcase their capabilities or if you really want to show them that something's really big and strong have that thing turn up and murder a beloved npc in front of their eyes <laughs> you know <laughs> but gambling then yeah how are you taking yeah. bets on this fight I would probably run odds because I, mm-hmm. as you probably know yourself, as a, a DM, a GM, you've got a lot of plates to spin at once. And I like to automate as many things as possible and keep things super simple. Okay. And you've already decided that you're predetermining the winner of the event. So yes, you are just going to plan out three to one on this one, two to one on the other one. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to keep it fairly simple. And I would... Try and make it seem about right. So if you've got two woodland critters pit against each other, you've got like a wild boar and a wolf or something, yeah, okay, they're probably about the same. So the odds on each might be ever so slightly stacked for one and slightly lesser for the other. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a huge money-making scheme, but the, the one that would be the, the big hitter is when they get this exotic creature out or something a bit more interesting. Okay, fair enough. Have you thought about any other forms of gambling in the tavern? Because again, my, my party love gambling. As soon as we get to a tavern, it's like drinks first, right? Who's playing cards or rolling dice? Really? Yeah, so I've, I've been caught short with that a couple of times. So once or twice I've sort Me of too. had in mind, you, you're coming into a tavern and it's evening and you're here to rest. And someone decides, you know, I've, I've just thrown away off the cuff and there's a an old boy playing dice in the corner. So I was like, I want to go play. Like, oh, okay, let's figure out how we do that. And I have definitely just been like, okay, roll a d20, see who wins. Or roll, <laughs> roll three d20s and take the highest two and making a simple game on the fly. I've seen some excellent examples in other podcasts and on the web of 
intricate ways of like reducing existing games down to dice rolls or mm-hmm. some some really good applications i can never google them quick enough when i need them yes i'm the same i've i've <laughs> i was caught off guard in my first tavern ever and off the cuff invented dunking dragons which was i, I can't remember the mechanics of it and i i wish i'd written it down or something but i made it up on the fly and it went down really well it was about bouncing coins into your tankard but the dice rolling affected it somehow. And it ended Did you up do Fantasy like Touch Cup? Yeah, well, yeah, but without <laughs> loads of rules, and it was just rolling a dice. But um, it was the first thing that came to my head. And that went down really well, but I've never been able to rethink up the rules. Oh, um, and then other times I've gone to Reddit and found, you know, overly complicated posts about dice games, you know, like, like you said, simplifying existing games and stuff. So I had a Google for, for this try and find something that I thought was at the right level of interesting mm. to engage a party to want to play it but not going to take up half your session explaining rules and stuff. That's important, yeah, because they've gone on a throwaway saying, I want to do some gambling. You've then got to deliver something that's snappy, engaging, but also hasn't like cost you 100 years in prep because yes. they might not use it. Well, Jake, listen on and I will give you... I'll impart my knowledge. <laughs> I found this... I basically just Googled like simple dice games and I found uh, this website called dicegamedepot.com Cool. Uh, and it had like some really simple dice games, and some of them were a bit too complex, and I ignored those ones. But the ones that I trawled through to to find, uh, the first one was called Beetle, which I thought was interesting because okay. you could re- you could reflavor this game as any creature as long as you break that creature down into its component parts. So um, all you need to play it is a d6 uh, and cool. a pen and pencil. So classic D and D stuff. Uh, you roll the d6, and depending on what you roll that determines which part of the beetle you can draw. So you've got one for body, two for head, three for leg, four for eye, five for antenna, and six for tail. So okay. you have I was to... worried it's going to be like leg, 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 leg. No, no, no. <laughs> so you have to roll some, sometimes you have to roll the same thing multiple times, but right. the rules are simple. You can't draw, you can't add any body part onto something that doesn't exist. So you need the head to do the antenna and the eyes. You need the body for okay. the legs and the tail. And also you need the body to put the head on. So you've got to get the body first. Right. Um, but basically you're just taking turns rolling your d6. Um, and then you draw your beetle. Your beetle com- is composed of one body, one head, two eyes, two antenna, six legs, oh, and a tail. Okay. And then is it first to finish a beetle? First to finish the beetle wins. Nice. So that's nice and easy. How easy. long does it take? Have you tried it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, how many times can you roll... The wrong number. I've, yeah. Okay. Probably. You're probably right. That's probably going to take so much longer than I expect. Right. Might use a D4. S- scrap the tail. Get rid of six and replace that with any body part you're missing. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe you can do all the legs at once, provided you've got the body. Yeah. Well, I don't. Well, it depends how big your party is. I guess if you've got a party of six or seven, that's going to take a while. But if it's like yeah. I don't know, if only like two or three people are playing, maybe. Hmm. It's one. Uh, the next game was. It's called Going to Boston. So I've written down Going to Fantasy Boston. <laughs> and again, you can reflavor that as any fantasy place that exists. Like um, Fantasy Boston in the USA or Fantasy Boston Lincolnshire? Fantasy Boston Lincolnshire, definitely. <laughs> All right, so for this game, you have to roll 3d6. Uh, when you roll those 3d6, you keep the highest score. You cool. re-roll the other two dice. You keep the highest score again. You roll the final dice... You add up the score from those three dice, so highest, highest, and last. Yep. And then everyone else does the same. Whoever has the highest in that round wins. And you play <laughs> and they for have a... to go to Boston. 
and you you play for a predetermined number of rounds. So you know it might take four rounds to get to Fantasy Boston. Uh, okay. So you know, do you like predetermine a number that is Boston, or is it just highest wins? Highest wins. Oh, cool. you could do. You could you could say like if you get three threes, you automatically Boston it. Uh, and then the last one I found was called Pig. Okay. And the name had me. Go on. Basically, for Pig, you have to be the first person rolling a d6 to get to 100. You can roll... When it's your turn, you're taking turns. When it's your turn, yeah. you can roll the dice as many times as you want, adding up your scores. You can stop at any time, because as soon as you roll a 1, you lose your scores for that round. So you're playing chicken with yourself, rolling and rolling until you think, that's enough for now. I'll bank what yeah. I've got. And then you've got to wait for it to come around to you again. And you could always bring that score down if it's too high or increase the D number if it's uh, you're in a rush. But anyway, oh, What's your average roll on D6? Three? It might be 30 rolls on average to get up to about 100? Oh yeah, it could go on quite a while. I hadn't thought of, I should have tested these before I came <laughs> on the podcast and talked about them. But these are games that I'm going to put into my my game anyway. Once I've tested them first to make sure we don't spend like three hours playing a shit dice game well big up dicegamedepot.com for the inspiration just thinking like like, like locale wise hmm. is this like we say roadside how far from the road is this tavern is it a bit off the beaten track to avoid too much attention okay yeah it's a good question so Let's let's consider you've got your. This is a main route between two major towns, cities, whatever. So it's a couple of carts wide, you know, two way traffic sort of thing. Maybe <laughs> instead there's a little signpost that's like the Owl Bear, one mile north, and it's it maybe it is slightly off the road, and that way the noise isn't heard by anyone that's currently walking past on the street at the time. Or... I thought the noise was magically concealed. Oh yeah, good point. It is magically concealed. Mm. Okay, ignore that. Maybe it affords um, the the populace from either of the cities who are sneaking in to do the illegally stuff. It gives them an opportunity to not just be seen on the road immediately walking into the place. They go, "Oh, I saw you on the road last night. Where are you heading? Oh, just off down to other city." I don't know. I feel like it, you'd want it to be visible from the road if you wanted passing trade. So mm. if you absolutely didn't want passing trade, you would hide it. However, this is where it's like having you trying to get people in there, and our party in particular looking for somewhere to stay the night. So I think it does need to be signposted, if not visible. Why don't we then just make it look pretty shit from the outside? <laughs> like it could be yeah. lovely, and it can be it can be modest inside, but on the outside, it's like it's looking a bit dilapidated. It's not looking super cozy. So you'd think that if travelers were heading towards the city, it's not so far outside. We might take a pass on this and just head in. Hmm. I'd rather camp than sleep under that shitty roof. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the roof could be not look good looking or I don't know. What else could you do? You could have, I don't know, visible graffiti on the outside, you know, like something that makes it look a bit criminal or suspect. This is, again, maybe party-specific, but what if it was only enticing to magical characters who could see through the illusion of dilapidation? Ah. So if, you, like, if you're in the know, you can see through it, and then magical characters can also see it. That's good. So it's not actually dilapidated. It just appears so from the outside. So what would you say? What's the criteria to be able to 
appreciate the magical essence of this place. Hmm. It's not just think... the wizard goes past and goes, oh, it's illusion. It smells like magic. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let's consider that Roadside Tavern is the session I've planned. I want them to find it, and I want them to find it appealing. So I would choose somebody in that party. Now, I would play on any statistic I liked, but I think I'd certainly start by, are there any magic users in particular? In which case, they would be a, a go-to, and they'd say, okay, you roll around and... I'd almost just, I wouldn't even hide it behind a check necessarily. So you notice the tavern off the side of the road has an odd shimmer to it. Or I would try and like pique some interest enough that it'd go, oh, does it? I wouldn't want to say, that's an illusion right there. I've got some ideas then. Go on then, hit me. How about, so one, one would be, so, and this, this isn't then just for magic users, but could be for anyone in the party. What yeah. if it's not a 100% perfect illusion? What if... Mm. You know, the dilapidated chimney stack. The smoke is coming out of where the full chimney stack would have ended rather than oh, from nice. where the hole is. So, like, if you imagine, like, a full chimney stack that yeah, yeah, yeah. would go, I don't know, a meter higher than the building, that's yeah. where the smoke starts rather than the hole that's the same level as the roof. Oh, I or, like that. Or what if they notice somebody else enter the tavern and as they pull the door away, the door change like the broken glass in the door is fixed until the door closes again at which point it, the illusion returns like the boundary yeah. of the illusion is is the the closed state of the door oh i like that yeah i mean you could even really hit them over the head with it and say they walk through a door that just isn't there yeah <laughs> they open the door into the wall that you couldn't see you could really be very blunt ah, like so, so the the door illusion stays another door yeah. gets pulled open <laughs> Yeah, it just clips through like a bad video game. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so we're doing that. So that's, that's, that's definitely enough to pique their interest. Like, what is it with this crazy tavern? It's nighttime. Let's, let's check it out. Yeah. Nice. And then they go in, you know, the local clientele assume because they know to come in, they're, you know, I want to say up to Hochter, but that's Dutch. Um, they're like up to speed <laughs> on what's going on here. Uh, and that's it. That then works for your clientele, but then the, the, the land owner landlord land person knows the people that come in and out so that that's why it would twig to them They're like you're not our regulars but you're in here and then that would give rise to all the social encounters we talked about right at the start without the without the clientele being suspicious i think that's that's a pretty full rounded idea now okay so full circle then mm-hmm. is there any unless is there anything else actually that you've prepared or thought about for your tavern that we've not touched on we'll see if this stays in the podcast. It might go on a little too long, but my other idea was open mic night. You, you can incorporate that in the first idea. You can have both. <laughs> I love that. Tell me about how you would run an open mic night. So here's, I'd set the scene by having them come in and it's open mic time and the someone would come round early on and try and take their names and say, oh, what do you do? What's your performance? Or even maybe before that, they might come in and someone is doing a something and I would enjoy preparing a description of a performance. Now, it might be um, describing how someone is you know, doing a dance and just giving a 60-second description that I would enjoy writing, basically. Mm-hmm. Or it might be that I would try and write a couple of like blue limericks or something that, oh, someone's gone up, they've done the thing, hey, rapturous applause, they sit down. I'd do a couple of somethings just to set the, the scene. You're selling yourself short again. You could you could literally like just play something. 
Like you're you're a musician, you could play some I don't know fantasy esque tune. Well, that would also be better pocket. Your party <laughs> would eat that up. <laughs> like any game session you play, I mean, if you did it every session, you know, over or like you know too often over the space of a however many week oh, period, God, yeah. like it it would wear thin. But that first time, if you were actually to do that, that'd be really cool. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I love. I want. I want, I want it to happen. <laughs> well. Yeah, that, that's the sort of thing that like that would be super. That'd be super cool. Either way, I'm hoping that that would be enough to set the scene, and then the next bit very much depends on, as I said before, depends on my players. So it would be super cool if a player then took that and they themselves like started writing something down, or they they actually like off the cuff were trying to plan that. That'd be amazing, and mm-hmm. I would reward that immensely in game with you know inspiration and adoration and stuff because you know, that, that's taking a step out of a comfort zone a little bit and it's also putting people on the spot and i think that's to be rewarded it's a good chance to role play which is which yeah you know, is is perfect like yeah you're little, literally putting them on stage and, and getting them to, to to perform in front of the rest of you that's it and i think that's that's kind of cool but it's not going to work for everyone and it could fall apart very easily so <laughs> backup option number one i think I'd say maybe they should describe something that they could do and we would work a way to um, chuck in skill challenges at moments. So the example I threw down was like, your dexterous character goes up and does some juggling. I'm mm-hmm. like, cool, what do you juggle? And you know, that's just like, every time, just asking them the question, what, how, what do you do, how do you do? And they go, um, I rummage in my bag and I come up with you know, three pastries from the day before. Fine, they're rock solid, they're flaky, that's fun. You started juggling. It's going to be daggers. Of course, it's going to be daggers. It's going to be daggers, yeah. <laughs> so then we can just chuck in a skill check and we go, okay, well, your, your go to one would be like dex because you're juggling something. You've got to get your coordination. So do a dex check. Can, do you hold your balance? Is your coordination any good? Maybe they're trying to juggle something very heavy. It's okay, let's just chuck in a strength check. I would also, on top of that, put a performance check in. So mm-hmm. not only can they firstly mechanically do the thing they want to do, be it dex or strength. Can yeah. they then do it in a way that is entertaining to a crowd? That's literally my next bullet point. You're oh, spot oh, on. I'm sorry, I beat you. So to this it. is like, yeah, <laughs> no, no, at all. That's it. I think you, you think on the same line. So yeah, you've you've got someone doing or something. Have they mechanically done the something? Yes, no. If if yes, fine, they continue on. If no, I'm not going to like kill it there. I think we'll go down the yes road to start with. Okay. So okay, let's think. Okay, they've they've done their initial skill check. Can you do the thing? Second one, my bullet point, does it go well? Let's find out. Roll the dice. That would be performance. Um, and the two scores would probably come together. So let's say yes and yes, they, you can do it and it goes well. So your crowd gets super into it. Now I want to have a third roll because three is a good number. How are you going to up the stakes? So let's say, okay, your, your rogue is juggling daggers. And then, you know, can they do it? Yeah, cool that they're into it. And then they start, like, flashing grins to the crowd or chucking them a little bit higher, and, you know, that's the performance, and the crowd's super into it. Okay, right, how are you going to get them? How are you going to punch them? What do you do? What's your finale? That's the word I was looking for, finale. What, so what, like, to do a backflip or basically anything, whatever they want. Really. Exactly, yeah, and literally anything. All, all you're asking them to do is, like, raise the stakes somehow, and then whatever they say, roll appropriate check, see how it goes. Now... Ooh. Even if it's a no, even if any of these checks fail, that doesn't necessarily mean that the event is a failure. I'm not going to use the word fail for the roll. If it's low roll and mm-hmm. it, it cocks up, especially if it's like a nat one or something. Everyone loves slapstick. 
you know? So, okay, so you start juggling and then you lose your balance and you fall over and the three knives go ding like around your outstretched body and they don't pierce you or hurt you or anything, but some gnome in the front row thinks it's fucking hilarious and bursts out laughing and the entire crowd goes anyway. So it doesn't matter that your rolls have been bad, you still yeah. like get a positive encounter. They think it's intentional, the crowd. Exactly. Gotcha. The temptation there with the dagger juggling would be that if they roll a nat one at any point, they're going to stab themselves. Yeah, and maybe they do. Maybe they drop one of them and it lands in their foot and they start hopping around. Okay, now roll another dex check. Can you hop and continue juggling your final two daggers? <laughs> I think you, you could just keep spinning it and, without going too far into it and rolling 100 million dice for like a five-minute thing. No, I think three's good. Three's good. You've got yeah. your, can you do it? Is it performing? And then finale, can you, can you up the stakes? That's exactly. a really cool way of doing it. So, but, but the way you described it then, regardless if they pass or fail those che- pass or fail, if they get high or low on those checks... Yeah. Um, does the crowd always love it? I think I'd mix it, basically. So I wouldn't want any of my characters or my players, sorry, to feel like they've they failed the social encounter. So I think, yeah, for the people that I'm playing with, I'll probably always try and keep it positive. They might, uh, maybe an NPC would lose them because I feel like that way I'm not penalizing anyone directly. Mm-hmm. I think for something like this, because what we're trying to do, instead of like have a a rules-based fight the thing, do you win? Yes, I've rolled this dice and this spell says that, therefore this. This is more of a a test of the player through the character rather than a test of the character. So I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to like make fun of anyone or like have them feel failure in that moment, because that's not the point of the event. It's more of like this is just collaborative storytelling. How does this evening go? Yeah. That's cool. There's gonna be differing opinions for sure. Like not everything goes well. Not everyone wins Britain's Got Talent, and quite <laughs> rightly. So, yeah, this this is removing us from reality a little bit. I think for the for the sake of just having a throwaway session, yeah. No, I like it, I like the idea of of the talent or the talent the, the what we call it open mic night, and I do I do agree that doing it in a way where even if they roll low, the audience finds it funny, but not for the reason that they wanted them to like it. Exactly, it gives yeah. the character then the opportunity to either like buy into that and sort of play mm-hmm. along the fact they've they've messed it up and like they that was all intentional that's what I meant to do, or they can just get incredibly sour. Yeah, yeah, that's great because it reflects their character again. Exactly, and then you've got anyone that's still in the bar afterwards has a hook to talk to them, a reason to talk to them, or yes. they might rib them like, "Wait, you fucked that right up," and it just provides a little bit more depth to. To the tavern, to the people that are in there, and to, to the event. Yeah, I really like the fact that it gives them a reason to, to talk to them as well. Like, and it's yeah. using it's using those character abilities for things that aren't necessarily directly combat. Like some people will build a character because they've got a concept in mind rather mm. than a build in mind. So I was thinking, you know, build is focused around maybe maximum damage, or I only want to use fire spells or something. But if you've got RP traits, I think it's nice to be able to use your character abilities for something other than just punching stuff. Yeah. Could you think of a way to do a skill challenge in a tavern? Is that a step too far? If you knew someone in a tavern um, had something in their possession, and you need, mm-hmm. to, and they were just like sat at a table with a group of people, you need to distract them and get said item off them. Do yeah. it as a skill challenge rather than just the rogue stealthing up and stealing it, you know, and sleight of handing it. Like, how yeah. could you use the party to create a distraction and? get said thing 
that's almost, I think, where it works the best. So give one person a task, do the thing, get the MacGuffin, mm-hmm. and then anyone that's not actively partaking in that could find ways. It's like a bard giving inspiration, but using other character traits. So it could be like, okay, the rogue's job is go and steal the key out of that person's hand. You know, mm-hmm. So it's a difficult thing. You can't just walk up and do it. And even it, like exceptional stealth checks and exceptional sleight of hand checks would be, yeah, it's still very unlikely that I can go and take that key from your hand while you're looking at me. So yeah. how, how else do, do maybe other people are allowed to use their skills and, um, and capabilities to, to turn the tide in their favor to make that go better for the, the person doing the actual thing. Okay, so in the owl bear, yeah. who is said person and what do they have that we want? And how do we know about them? Maybe we didn't get a pass from the landlord. Maybe they looked us up and down and they thought, yeah, you're not my kind of crew. Not tonight, lads. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. It's not your, not your scene. But you want to get down there. So now all of a sudden the bouncer is not hostile, but would be hostile to you We'd try and get past them. So it's okay, how do we now sneak past all these people, get behind the secret curtain without being challenged or ah, stopped? Ah, so you do the entry to the underground yeah. fight ring as a, or the backroom fight ring as a skill challenge. That's it. And don't get me wrong, there's always more than one way in. So hmm. maybe there is a coal cellar at the back and there'll be an alternative route in. Or okay. you know, how do they bring the monsters in the first place? You don't have to just go in this way. But I'm saying this is an opportunity for skill challenging. I think it's un- not even unreasonable. I just think it's a bit flat to say, okay, you all want to sneak past, roll stealth, the group, and <laughs> sneak behind the halfling bouncer or you know, spider crawl across the ceiling. Or, you know, it's just a bit, a bit crap. Yeah. So that would be like, yeah, make a distraction, cause something to happen, then as the final moment, sneak your way through. I, I, yeah, that's good. So I'd say then the party at that point where they've exhausted their options of getting downstairs, don't think of anything else, you could then say to them sort of, you know, as game master, right, guys, if you want to get in there, you're going to have to use a skill to check. You know, it's going to be this many passes and fails to get in. Uh, but you need to cause some sort of distraction to make it possible for you to get down there. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I don't think there's a problem being that transparent with it. No, no, no. Actually, that's, that's what I mean. That's, that's, that's how I think it's good to introduce it. You know, at, But again, at that point where they've not thought of another way to do it, or maybe they do come up with the solution of let's try and all just stealth past, and you say, well, like, whoa, 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 mm. guys, let's, let's do it like this instead, because yeah. it's not going to suck as much. Yeah, that's it. That's not going to fly. You can't just... Like tippy toe, Scooby Doo, like tick, 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 oh, to tap the on one shoulder, he looks the wrong way. Yeah, exactly. How <laughs> oh, cool! Nice. We got a skills check in there as well. Yeah, yeah. So that brings the whole open mic idea, and then turns it back into our um, taverny combat scenario. So I like. I really like the open mic night. I like it that it sort of paces the monster dungeon bit as well. It's not just mm. straight in, straight downstairs, fight the bad guys, you know, sleep the night, get out. You know, there's a bit yeah. more to this place now. I'm happy. I'm, I'm with you. I hadn't considered like trying to smash the two together. It felt like it would be too much, but yeah. I think there is, a way to, there is a way to paste it together. You could probably do it both on the same night. You know, it, it would give your yeah, party yeah, yeah. the chance to split up as well, which is always a nice one. You know what? It gives another opportunity to learn about the, the, the special curtain because if your open mic goes well, 
then you'll be talking to the patrons afterwards and the landlord will be more friendly towards you Mm -hmm. and you know you might know because you're in the space for long you might see more people coming in and out so actually i think it does play into it well let's let's not do the two nights then let's do it both on the same night you've got open mics going on that's fine sit down eat your gelatinous cube marmalade and uh, (laughs) if you fancy it get up on stage and sing or something or juggle your knives and then that's yeah. it. so as far as your party's concerned they've come in they've just had like oh it's it's a nighttime tavern session but then yeah well it's good because we've already decided like if one of them does go for the open mic night then they're going to succeed either way yeah and then we can at least get that person who's got up on stage into the basement to see you know some real entertainment or whatever Ooh. they're going to be framed as yeah nice I like it it's a couple of completely different ideas, and I don't think you'd have to necessarily smash the two. I, I would love to smash those two together, but I, I considered them as completely separate sessions purely because I thought, if you haven't fought anything in a while and you want to fight something interesting, here's a convenient, not completely absurd way to shoehorn an interesting fight into your your slightly more maybe realistic or your slightly more mundane campaign. Mm. Or if you've just been fighting lots of things, you've just come out of a big old dungeon slog, you might want a complete change of pace in which case yeah, open mic bit of rp yeah. bit of character to character chatter and fun would be would be as i say would be release so but that's not to say the two don't also work together if you want i like to putting things together like that. I, yeah. I like the idea in this podcast that we're just bringing stuff to the table and we're gonna force it together and make it work so the fact that you've brought two of your own ideas and we've just smushed them together is is, is great but yeah, that's it. You've you've glued the tavern together with the actual inner workings that keep it going. And I've looked at it from a session plan perspective, like a a story, an event, and you've like made it hang together on something a bit more realistic. So I think if I took your descriptions and um and the the two different game plans, we can put together a, a cohesive little narrative. The party are still trudging along the road to the city of Faraway when the sun begins to set. Fortescue, the fighter, is the first to see an inn signposted. Ah, the, the owl bear, five minutes walk, he exclaims. As the party approach, Fortescue is the first among them to let out an exasperated moan as he sees the state of the tavern. Now, oh, for goodness sakes, he sighs. Look at that place, it's practically crumbling. Hang on, did someone just walk through that closed door? Assuming a trick of his weariness, he nudges Vestel, their old wizard. She takes a look and confirms it appears to be some sort of illusion, making the place look so run down. A truly fascinating, but surely poor for business. Shall we take a look? The party agree. Taking a moment to locate the actual door, the travellers enter into an astonishingly bustling inn, especially given the exterior appearance. Patrons are drinking, gambling, and enjoying an intricate dance routine from a purple-skinned tiefling. She finishes with a flourish and takes a seat at a table to rapturous applause. A freckled human steps up and announces to the room, oh, Our next open mic act will be Stilton, the poet! Which is met with groans and cheers in equal measure. Before the party have a chance to get their bearings, the freckled human bounds over. Are any of you performing tonight? He beams. Clive, the druid, sheepishly steps forward. I've been practicing making little statues. Maybe I could do some requests. Oh, perfect! While Clive is busy making wooden statuettes for the crowd, 
Snips heads over to the bar and begins chatting up the half-elf Bookie. Before long, she scored entrance to the fight ring downstairs. The halfling bouncer gives you a nod and draws back the long purple curtain, revealing a thin staircase leading down to the old storeroom. Once you're all through, the curtain falls back into place and all the sounds of the tavern are wholly extinguished. Led by Snips, the group descends the heavily worn stairs, each step left with a smooth indentation on the leading edge, a memory of many years' service. At the foot of the stair, a few old boxes and cages mark a torch-lit passage. Through the short tunnel, the air is thick with laughter and the stench of ale, sweat and blood. Two field walls are fighting in a makeshift ring, goaded by the crowd. Three individuals walk the perimeter, seemingly keeping the combatants penned in. There's a gasp and the smaller wolf pounces, but it's definitely dodged by the larger of the two. Seizing the opening, his jaws clamp hard around the neck. Silence. Then, applause in the room. Barbaric and brutal as it was, the group stand a little shaken, as half the room clinks drinks and cheers, while the other half tear up betting slips and curse. And now, for our main event. Voice booms out. Behold, the Manticore! Practically falling out of the tunnel, a large beast, body of a lion, wings of a worm, and a horrific spiked tail enters the room, limping, but with the lower half of one of the ringmasters hanging from his mouth. The patrons all scream and scatter into various tunnels out of the area. And with that, I will need you to roll initiative. Right, well, I guess with that, Jake, what have you got in store for us next week? Lucas Tomlinson, for you. The Rolling Boulder Trap. How would you run that? By which I mean your classic Indiana Jones. You've done something, you're in maybe a corridor, and whatever you've triggered causes a boulder from above to start barreling towards you and your party. That is the last thing I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I've not actually done a Rolling Boulder Trap either, so that's really cool. No, I think mean, it's classic and it's generic and it's almost cliche. Well, it is cliche. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us on our foray into the silliness of our particular minds. Hopefully you'll be able to leave a review or like this podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts and we look forward to brewing another one of your evenings next week. Yes. Thanks a lot, guys. Catch you next week.